Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Tuesday and Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And this year's camp runs from... July 19th to the 24th at the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Conference Center in Plainfield, New Hampshire. And we've got an incredible lineup like we do every year. For more information, please visit our website, campconstitution.net. And we broadcast out of beautiful Monticello, Maine, all over the world. And uh, I have a, uh, a guest on the line, uh, Dr. Shiva Ayadora. Dr. Shiva, how are you doing, sir? Good. Great to be here, Hal. I'm glad you can make it on very short notice, by the way. Well, I was going to read your very impressive uh, resume here. It would probably take me about three minutes to get it all in, uh, having more degrees than a thermometer. But if you could just give the listeners a a little biographical background on yourself, and then we'll get into the topic of vaccines and vaccinations. Sure. So, by the way, you can just call me Dr. Shiva. We don't have to use a long version of my last name. But... uh, the background is uh, how I have sort of three really streams of things that make my career. Uh, I'm a scientist, I'm an inventor, and I'm also a fighter. Uh, the scientist part of me is a one, got four degrees in electrical engineering, uh, my bachelor's and my uh, master's in mechanical engineering. I also have a master's in design, and then my PhD is in a field called biological engineering, which is a new department MIT created in 2003, and we'll talk about that. Separate from that, I created the first email system when I was a 14-year-old kid. I've started seven different companies, many other inventions. The current company I run is called Cytosolve, which is a technology that came out of my PhD work, really to use the computer to model molecular pathways and disease on the computer long before we kill animals, long before we do test tube testing. And that company's grown very nicely. Um, and, you know, we, for example, we discovered a combination therapy for pancreatic cancer and got it allowed by the FD, FDA. But we use that technology to really understand combinations of natural products. And we're using it all over the world. Many of the largest institutions come to us to really help them figure out what's going on at the molecular level relative to disease or some of these phenomena, which you'll mm-hmm. talk about, like, uh, you know, vaccines. And the last part of it is, you know, I'm a fighter. You know, I grew up in India, which had a caste system was very interested in politics, um, you know, was an activist throughout most of my life. And then obviously, uh, you know, ran for U.S. Senate in 2018. And I'm running again as a Republican uh, in 2020. So three different well, streams, three different careers, but all, all intertwined. And you're based out of the greater Boston area. And so you're running for Massachusetts. Yes, I'm in Massachusetts. My offices are in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, but yes, I, I, I came here in 81 as a 17-year-old kid, grew up as a Jersey boy, working class kid, and I've never left Massachusetts since then. That's, that's wonderful. Anyway, the vaccine issue, uh, lots of controversy. And I think there are so many people out there that simply go to the big pharma source or big uh, vaccine source 
And basically, if you're not in favor of vaccines, you're a wacko, you're crazy, uh, and you're, you're basically putting your children and yourself at grave risk. Now, I'm 61, and I recall as a young little guy getting the polio, the drink, not, not the shot, but the drink. And I remember the March of Dimes, you know, that was the polio campaign, and polio was eradicated. Um, uh, and then, but I do remember getting uh, just a few vaccines. I don't remember having my arms. I didn't really get many vaccines until I went in the Army where they had they had doctors and people on both sides of you shooting you up, and then we were kind of sick for a couple of days. Uh, can you give the viewers a little background on the theory of vaccines? And, and see, I know, for example, historically, uh, we look at George Washington, and he had, he had his soldiers vaccinated against smallpox. And, well, of course, it was not exactly, there wasn't a hypodermic needles weren't invented yet. Uh, and they had very uh, low casualties as a result of that, uh, as opposed to having the, the disease and, and the armies in those days, mainly um, the armies were uh, debilitated by illness, not so much by combat, um, il- uh, combat casualties, but by sickness. Yeah, so, so Hal, you brought up a, a number of things. Are you there? Yeah, I'm right here, yeah. Yeah, so you brought up a number of things. Um, uh, which I've addressed in a number of talks I've given, but let me sort of summarize your, uh, and address your question here about you know the theory of vaccines. Look, the the notion of um, introducing your body to a pathogen to strengthen your body, what's what I call resilience, has been around for thousands of years. You know, people have known mm-hmm. about this since ancient times. Um, in China and India, for example, they would literally take the pus of some pathogen and shoot it up to people's nose, okay? In Africa, people would do a technique called variolation, where they would, uh, you know, sort of uh, essentially make a slight uh, scar in the skin and then, you know, put the pus of some uh, pathogen, all right? In fact, that was a technique called variolation, which was brought to the United States by an African slave, which, as you refer to, which is what Washington used. So the mm-hmm. notion of broadly um, of the fact that we, you know, um, have been on this planet, and the fact is, whatever religious tradition you believe in, or if you don't believe religious tradition, the point is that the body was created to be able, in a, in a very powerful in a way, as most systems are created, to be what, what I call resilient, okay? Resilience mm-hmm. means that your body gets exposed to something, and then um, it doesn't get weakened from that, right? But it gets stronger and bounces back better, right? So I'll give you an example. Yes. If you sit if you sit around in your house and you never lift weights and you don't do any work working out, you're going to get flabby. Alternatively, if you go to the other extreme and lift weights all day long, you're going to tear down your muscle tissue, right? But mm-hmm. if you are exposed to a certain amount of resistance training, your body, the muscle fibers actually get strong. So, you know, maybe you're only able to lift 125 pounds, but then you're able to lift 140, 120, 225, right? That's an example of resilience, a body getting imposed to some stress and get stronger. So, these, I mean, we can talk about this, but natural systems all appear to have this, uh, this ability for resilience. Interesting enough, when you look at this notion of the immune system, the immune system also has this aspect that our immune system was actually designed for getting, um, you know, uh, for actually getting uh, pathogens, okay? And based on those pathogens, the immune system had a whole cascade of processes in its natural way that it got strong and got strengthened by that. Okay, Hal? So in this case, in the 1915s, and you know, leading up to around uh, 
1962 when the National Vaccine Act was passed by John Kennedy, um, the notion was that your body had two subsystems or two systems which compose what we call the immune system. How one system was called the innate system and the other was called the adaptive. And no one's going to be tested on it, but very simply, think about two boxes <laughs> interconnected uh, to each other, right? Box one, the innate immune system, think about it as everything that's open to the environment from you, right? Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your throat, um, your mouth, right? Your mucus, mucosa, and your gut, all of these things. So when you get hit with a pathogen, that pathogen is first, um, you know, uh, contacts your body through one of those systems, your ears, skin, et cetera. And then the body has the innate immune system, macrophages. Essentially, it's got, think about it, you talked about the military, an army of infantry guys who just shoot everywhere, okay? They just mm -hmm. start firing like they're in the, in the dark. They just start firing at everything. It's called the nonspecific innate immune system. And it tries to just, it doesn't know what it's attacking, but it just starts shooting. And that occurs between the first zero to 72 hours. After that, your body then moves over to the adaptive immune system, which is more like Navy SEALs or sharpshooters. They say, okay, mm -hmm. what is this pathogen? And let me create an antibody for that, okay, to take that mm -hmm. out. So if it's a polio virus, I'm gonna hit it with the um, you know, polio antibody, okay? And there's a whole system through the T cell and B cell system. But the model was always this two box model, okay? The innate and the adaptive, and the entire theory of this system, Hal, was let me generate antibodies. And if you get those antibodies, you're in great shape. Got it? Mm -hmm. This was a, a theory of the immune system that is still today, the two box model, as I call it, is used, to, is used as a basis for vaccination. So therefore, um, the modern vaccines, not like what variolation, what, what, what uh, George Washington did, which was full exposure you know, to the whole pus, was people have mm -hmm. tried to create artificial ways of mimicking nature. Okay, so we're gonna take a dead form of the virus, let's say measles, we're gonna mix it in with a bunch of other stuff, okay? Potentially aluminum, potentially mercury, right? Because mm -hmm. what we wanna do is we wanna mimic the virus so your body has a, a response and it creates those antibodies, got it? So this is the fundamental basis of vaccination. And so in 1962, when the vaccine vaccine program was implemented and the, and and meaning the the cdc got created the center for communicable diseases is that when it was created were, was it in the early 60s the cdc yeah yeah this is yeah yeah this is something you know you know i've been involved in the health field you know since i was a four-year or four-year-old kid growing up in india watching my grandmother practice this in the medicine in all my work but the vaccine stuff when i got into it there have been people involved in this for 17 years quote unquote fighting it right but mm -hmm. the problem was no one ever, in, in my view, took a systems approach, Hal, and really looked at the history and the molecular system. So if you go to the history, 1962s and the Vaccination Act gets implemented. Now, historically, if you look at it, if you look at the history of infectious diseases, right, it was, if you go back to the 1900s, 14 out of 100,000 people were dying of infectious diseases in the 1900s. By 19, you know, early, even before the polio vaccine came out, you know how many people are dying of infectious diseases? Two out of, I mean, one out of 200,000 people. We it had eliminated really 90, yeah, 98% yeah, of infectious diseases, 98% of measles was gone before these vaccines. And a lot of that had vaccine. to do with diet, it had to do with preventive uh, care and also uh, good um, good hygiene, you know, uh, you know the- Well, it had to do, yeah, sanitation, ending of child labor, vitamin A, nutrition, 
Uh, so that cod liver oil, it, cod liver oil, all these, yeah, because it's vitamin A, right? And vitamin A really protects your cell wall. It's like a, a safe, you know, not, or a barrier, nothing can enter it. So the fundamental thing that took place was it was, it was, and by the way, as an aside, which we can do a whole separate conversation, all of that occurred how because of the amazing movement of the American working people in the late 1800s, you know, who were rising up to demand this of the deep state, okay? Because they were not being treated right. And that workers' movements, which later people, you know, branded it as, you know, the Red Scare, but it was the indigenous movement of the American workers, which demanded all of this. And as a result of that is how we got infrastructure, okay? All, so in many ways, a plumber and the sanitation worker did far more than the pharmacist or the doctor, mm, that's, okay? That's a good point, so, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge point, and everyone forget, it, but, it, it, but no one has connected fully the fact that all of that infrastructure came from people fighting on the streets, Hal, people's names we don't even know. That's why in some know, countries it, today, it, they don't even have plumbing. A lot of these third world countries, uh, what, clean water, and that's what they're getting sick from. We, exactly. And we're not having clean water, clean air and clean food. Now we have a different problem emerging, right? With Monsanto, et cetera. And the politicians. That's, yeah, and that's another issue too. That. That's which is an important one. That's right. 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 So what my point is, it was the rise of the everyday people demanding, like basically don't treat us like animals. Right. That led to the 1900s of uh, 1950 that and and then the establishment through people this infrastructure because they didn't want to have a revolution and that really led to these gains long before vaccines so by the time vaccines come how it's relatively minor the effect they had on lowering infectious diseases and most of these pharma guys won't say that but you know i don't own anything so i can tell you uh it didn't and and so come to 1962 here is Kennedy, 19, one year before he had given a very famous speech to the National Academy of Sciences. And he had said, you know, the problems of the world are becoming so complex and the conundrum of democracy now is that we rely on you, and he's talking to 2,500 scientists, to tell mm -hmm. us politicians how to make decisions. And he said, the problem mm -hmm. with democracies, we're assuming that you are disinterested, objective third parties, right? Disinterested. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, the reality right. is we know that science today it, you know, is pay to play. Academics practice now the oldest profession. So in 1962, the decision that was made to implement the national vaccine program was based on two theories. The a, a very rudimentary nascent model of the immune system, as I described this two box model, and the notion scientists were telling you the truth. Okay, so what happens? 1962 <laughs> to 1986, over those 24 years, we see vaccine injuries occurring, right? The government recognizes it, pharma recognizes it. Then another Kennedy comes along, old Ted Kennedy, okay? The brother of John Kennedy and Waxman and Orrin Hatch. They're the ones who create the National Vaccine Injury Program, okay? When, in my opinion, the whole thing should have just been repealed. And what do they do? They put a big Band-Aid on old science, outdated science, and that Band-Aid is they create the vaccine courts, which basically you know what, liability uh, away from yeah, I'm sorry. Go it's ahead. fascinating. I just want to mention that most people don't even know that there's such a thing as a vaccine court. And when you hear these pundits, some of them conservative in quotation marks, some of them not, you know, down, uh, you know, uh, insulting people who have some uh, concerns or so-called anti-vaxxers. Nobody brings up the fact that there's a vaccine court that I think was created in the mid 70s after the um, 
Gerald Ford had initiated the, the uh, swine flu vaccines and people were dying, uh, that, that the taxpayer picks up the bill. If anything happened to me from a vaccine from a private company, I, I have to, uh, if I'm awarded damages, uh, the taxpayer picks up the tab. Yeah, and then they, they, they institutionalize that and they stuck this thing called the vaccine, vaccine injury program inside of another bunch of bills and the Democrats control Congress. And much to the, you know, Reagan didn't want to sign this because he said, you know, we're, we're basically bureaucratizing uh, this decision-making process. So basically uh, you created this vaccine court and you bureaucratized judicial and le- uh, the legislative process. And that was brought to you by Ted Kennedy, okay? And maybe he wanted to preserve John Kennedy's legacy. They didn't want to take it away. So now in 86, you have the vaccine courts, which basically limit liability of death to about 250,000, okay? From vaccine injury. And the vaccine manufacturer, the pharma guys are indemnified. So it's an amazing model. And there's no risk also. There's no risk or safety assessment standards that are done. In fact, I held the first international vaccine safety conference in uh, November here, Hal. 600 people showed up. 400 online, 200. No one had ever said, why isn't there a safety assessment stuff? We brought together varying scientists. We've set up a working group and I'll talk more about that. But essentially that's what happened in 86. Now, since then, Hal, you know, injuries have grown. So the anti-vax movement started. And when I got involved, you know, about a year ago, a woman invited me to give a talk down in Florida. There's a guy called Andy Wakefield who was speaking and I was asked Mm -hmm. to speak as a scientist. And I said, look, I'm gonna figure this out, but I'll tell you, I talked to Andy, I said, the problem is, you guys aren't coming at this from a scientific perspective. It's more emotional. So when I sort of sorted all this out with my background, how what I realized was the fundamental issue here is this. In, in the, the, the modern theory of the immune system, what we know today is so different than what we knew in 1915 or 1962. So interesting enough, while all of this was going on about uh, 60, 90 days ago, the National Science Foundation, which is the premier scientific organization in the United States, for that matter, the world, invited me to give the Distinguished Prestige Lecture uh, at their Center of Science of Information. And my talk was on the modern theory of the immune system. And here was a packed room of around 200 scientists, students, engineers. And I shared my view as a systems guy, as a biological engineer, as you know, my hat as a scientist, and I laid out what I call the five box model, Hal. And that model is not just the innate and the adaptive, those two boxes I shared earlier. In between yeah. that is the interferon system, which is a very amazing set of molecular pathways, which actually turns on thousands of genes between the innate and the adaptive. It's called the missing link, which no one really talks about. A lot of doctors don't even learn in medical school. Then you have the microbiome, which is all the gut bacteria, right? throughout your entire system. We have, for every one cell, we probably have three to four bacterium. We're we're like a walking jungle of other creatures. And then we have the connection of that, our gut through the gut brain axis to the neural system. So when you really look at it, it's a much more complicated system. And saying that a medical intervention, like a vaccine, is not gonna affect all of those other subsystems, and knowing what we know now from 2003, when the Human Genome Project ended, we realized, Hal, that we one of the big things, the irony of the Genome Project in 2003 was we thought what made a human being different than a worm was a number of genes, Hal. I don't know if, if you know the history of the Genome Project. We knew in 1993, a worm had 20,000 genes. And we uh-huh. thought a human being must have like a million genes because we're so much more complex. 
The reality is how we only have 20,000 genes. So this uh -huh. has completely created a revolution in biology. People saying it's not the number of parts that denote complexity, but it's how those parts are interconnected. You see, our mm. parts are interconnected much more complex ways than a worm's. So that well, gave rise to so. a field called systems. Definitely, yeah. Well, that gave rise to a field called systems biology. And that's why in 2003, I came back to MIT to do my PhD, which was to create a technology to mathematically model the human cell. That was cytosol. But what that revealed to me, that works from 2003 to now, is that the immune system is a much more complex system. And I shared this with these scientists and I said, look, one of the things that emerges out of that, your body, Hal, your immune system is different than mine, okay? And your immune system will vary from the time you're a young kid as you grow, right? So- Now, let me ask the, you, what makes the differences? Uh, is it cultural? Is it um, uh, inherited? What, what would be the differences? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. It's really, the, it's really your genetics, okay and it's your epigenetics all right which you so what what turns out is i don't know if you know this the old theory of biology was that um if you have this particular gene you're going to get this disease well that mm -hmm. all got shattered after the genome project ended it turns out how we actually can turn off and turn on genes based on what you eat your environment right other reactions that's called epigenetics so there's a layer above your genome that can be turned on or off. In fact, recently it's got even more complicated. It turns out the definition of a gene is now gonna change. My point is, we're just like, you know, remember in Star Trek, they're going into, the, into space, you know, to uncharted worlds. We don't uh -huh. even know the complexity of, the, of all of these reactions. Gerald Fink, a professor at MIT said, look, the 20,000 genes are protein coding genes. That's only 2% of the genome. Now we found out the other 98% are actually other genes which turn off and turn on genes. My point is to think that we should still live by the 1962 Vaccination Act, which was based on outdated science, and I would call it at worst fake science. And the mm -hmm. mandates that we're imposing is outlandish. And, and the kind of vaccines as the only intervention to increase immune health, getting back to resilience, is also you know, irrational. When you really look at this entire problem, we have five of these, at least five of these systems, and what I shared at this conference was, look, to impose one size fits all, okay, um, is even the, the NIH now knows that we need to start thinking about the right medicine for the right person at the right time, okay? It's mm -hmm. not about one size fits all. It's about the right medicine for the right person at the right time. And that's called precision medicine, Al. And I'm considered one of the leaders in the world in precision and personalized medicine. I give talks all over the world. but what I shared with these scientists is that to think that every kid, by the way, the CDC has 30 vaccines, Hal, and the states can decide what to do. But to imagine a kid getting 30 vaccines, 70 doses, everyone should get the same. It's, now, it's, 30, in, it's no, insanity. We're talking about from, from, from birth, let's say that, you know, a nice young couple get married, have a, have a little baby boy, a little baby girl, and before that child is brought home, they're already giving uh, vaccines. And by the time that child reaches uh, adulthood, a teenage, let's say 18, how many vaccines, including booster shots? What 30, is, uh, well, if, you, if, if they do all 30 different vaccines, 70 doses. And Hal, none of those vaccines have been double-blind, saline, placebo-controlled tested. The HPV vaccine, which supposedly the, they, they said was, was a completely fraudulent test. And I can talk more about that if you want, but the bottom line is a kid at one day old 
is getting the hepatitis 1 uh, B vaccine, which is what you give to drug dealers and you know people who've been you know um, you know pro prostitutes, right? So that's the, right. And they have another 120 to 200 vaccines in the pipeline. And I, I'm telling you why this is happening because look, I work with my technology, the Cytosoft technology. Pharma companies want to use because the smart ones because they know I can eliminate toxicity way up front. Mm -hmm. But what's mm -hmm. happening is pharmaceutical drug development, Hal, is they're losing money, actually. And the reason is it takes 15 years to create a drug, about $5 billion. And when the drug comes out in pharma drugs, you could be liable. There could be side effects and you can sue the pharma companies, right? Right. So pharma companies, the FDA is actually allowing less and less new drugs out. Each year over year, companies spend 30% more a year in R&D, and they're getting less and less new drugs being approved. So, and then the generic the opportunity companies come Yeah. What, what's that? I said then uh, once they come to market, by then the uh, patents have run out, and the generic companies uh, then then uh, and they don't have to put the investment in. So yeah, yeah. And there's another racket there, but 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 the, but yeah. the interesting thing is in the the vaccine market. You don't have to do the same testing as pharma. You don't have to do all those tests, you see? And mm -hmm. there's no risk to you. So think about that. You're a, vac you're a pharma company. Hmm, should I create a new pharmaceutical drug? You know, a lot of investment. You know, I got to go and I could be sued. Why don't I just push out more vaccines? No liability. I'm protected by the taxpayers in the United States. And on top of that, you know, I don't have to do all these risk assessment studies. So this is something that the anti-vax community fully doesn't understand that they keep, they don't, they, what they need to understand is, and broadly people need to understand is that vaccines are pure profit. Okay. And mm -hmm. low risk, low liability. So this is a state of what's going on. So what I, you know, so I've been asked to speak at a bunch of the hearings and I said, look, so, so by the way, 86, the vaccine courts got passed right then, then people were getting injured. Then they gave people religious and medical exemptions, how this was sort exemptions. of a bone they threw. Right, so yeah. they, the bone they threw was, okay, you know, if you can prove you have a medical or religious and you don't have to get the vaccines, right? Or uh, if you can't get those exam, kids can't be allowed to go to school, which means they have to be homeschooled. Poor people can't homeschool kids, right? So in many ways, this is an attack on the poor. Rich people can, you know, also not get vaccinated and they can send their kids to private schools. So what we have today is the states, per the 1962 Vaccination Act, gets to decide what vaccines and what the rules are, are eliminating those exemptions. So those exemptions, right, like, Hal, like Massachusetts trying to do, like uh, California did, New York did. But we got to understand Maine. this history. Yeah, in Maine, the vaccine, the exemptions themselves were another Band-Aid, right? On top of mm -hmm. the Band-Aid of Kennedy's thing and on top of uh, the, the act. And so when I looked at this, I said, Jesus Christ, so they have all these activists, you know, Bobby Kennedy leading this movement, you know, and it's all about keeping everything in the legislators, keeping it all very, you know, within the halls of corrupt legislators, which is let's protect these crumbs. So they're fighting for crumbs, Hal. Crumbs, what yes. we need to do is eliminate everything. This whole Deny mandate should go away. As our fathers yeah. did. They didn't take Band-Aids and say, well, uh, I'll let this group off. So that's a very good, and a lot of people, uh, you know, I'm, I happen to be uh, whatever belief you are, so I'm exempt. I don't care what happens to everybody else. Well, you should care. Exactly. So, so you have, yeah, yeah, so what I'm saying is, you ha what's interesting is you have the Kennedys involved and Dan. John Kennedy signed it, 
Ted Kennedy created the vaccine, atrocious vaccine courts, and then Bobby Kennedy's projected as a leader of this, right? When what he's been doing for 17 years is he never brought up these fundamental issues, never educated people. In the five months, with all humility, humility Al, when I got involved, we started running educational programs, didn't get paid a cent for this, Al. Ran a conference, mm -hmm. didn't get paid a cent for this. These guys are run this as a money-making enterprise like all these cancer organizations. So I started critiquing this, and in many ways, a movement needed a necessary split. And what I said was, look, there is a division here. And the division is this. There are people who believe the state knows better than you or I, even these activists. And there's another philosophy which says health should be centralized back to me and my healer, right? It should not be owned mm -hmm. by the state. And what they've been doing is making little tweaks, little tweaks. And frankly, this has been an activism business for some people, right? They haven't addressed the fundamental constitutional issue here. The government has no right to impose its will on your body, right? In terms of telling you that you know better, or mother knows better, or father knows better for their kid. And that's what the fundamental issue here is. And from a scientific standpoint, all of it's based on outdated science. We live in a world today where it's we need to start moving into the right medicine for the right person at the right, si right time. Even the NIH agrees with this. The science is based on old science. And frankly, the entire thing is two, two or three Band-Aids on Band-Aids. That's well, you what's know, happening. Fascinating. What's fascinating in the medical world, you know, bloodletting was state of the art back in the 1700s. If any doctor tried to do that today, he'd be run out of town. Uh, but back then, right? So, so science needs to change, right? And imagine we said that everyone needs to be bloodlet. <laughs> okay, that was the <laughs> protocol. The more the interesting thing here, Hal, the reason you know, you know, you know, a big part of my Senate campaign is truth, freedom, and health, right? And I have a book coming out called Climate of Science, where I try to tie this together. Without freedom of speech, discourse, academic ability to debate, we're never going to practice a scientific method, right? which is you go into nature with a humility to understand we will practice scientific consensus. Vaccines are good. Mm -hmm. CO2 is a Just pollutant, like, and you can go on. That's right. Shiva, we have less than a minute. Can you give yeah. uh, the listeners where they can, oh, by the way, you'll be speaking at the Lane House in Lexington, Massachusetts, Saturday, Looking forward uh, to that. March yeah. 14th at 10 o'clock, and we'll be live streaming, So, um, and we'll have more information about that. So where can people learn more about what you do and websites and that kind of thing. Sure. So people want to know what I do as a scientist and an inventor, right? You can go to my site, vashiva.com, V as in Victor, a shiva.com. And you can see my whole journey from creating emails, to, you know, as a 14 year old kid to everything I do now, a company around systems health and cytosol. So vashiva.com. If you want to learn about what I'm doing now as a fighter for people's rights, for truth, freedom and health, you can go to Shiva for Senate. Dot com. I'm running as a uh, Republican uh, for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts, and we're going to the for the jugular to win, Hal. Um, and we, uh, my views, we can uh, convert Massachusetts from going uh, uh, from blue to red because this vaccine issue has brought up so many people, Hal. Uh, people are independents who see finally a fighter that they have, and I think people That's with the great. Trump era are realizing you know what's going on. So shivaforsenate.com with the number four or vashiva.com. All right, excellent. Thank you for uh, coming on the radio show. Folks, you've been listening to- Great, Camp. you're welcome. Thank you. All right, you've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ, The Planet. And until next week, may God bless. God bless you. Be well.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.